Welcome to Undressed with me, Katie Moore. I marry the dirty with the divine to educate and empower vulva owners from across the world to come home to their bodies and reclaim the power of soulful sexuality. This is the space where we will spill the taboo tea on all things pleasure, intimacy, sex, healing, and absolutely everything in between. It is through this podcast that you will start to unapologetically live an embodied, empowered, and erotic life. Oh, and the title speaks for itself. We will, of course, in the spirit of things, be naked. (laughs) And with that, let's begin. Welcome to Undressed with me, Katie Moore. Today on Undressed, I am joined by Julieta Durante, who is a menstrual cycle nutritionist on a mission to help women feel uplifted and empowered to live their best hormonal lives, allowing them to unapologetically step into their true power and own their physical, mental, and spiritual health. I know Julieta both personally and professionally, and I just know how delicious this episode is going to be. I have full body chills. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, welcome, Julieta, my love. Thank you. I am obviously over the moon to be here with you today. (laughs) I'm loving the fact that we're both sat here with no clothes on. And um, yeah, I'm loving the sun streaming in the back of your head. It's all feeling just really yummy already and we haven't even started so thank you Mm, you are so welcome I'd love to check in how are you and what day of your cycle are you on yeah so I am yeah I'm well overall I've just um come come back to Spain so I kind of live half in the UK half in Spain and I've just come back to Spain after spending a very hectic summer in London excuse me so I'm kind of like trying to ground feeling into that September energy. Um, It's not really matching where I am in my cycle. I think I ovulated yesterday. So, uh, you know, there's this like quite a lot of energy. I'm struggling to ground, but I really feel like I need to. So there's a bit of an internal struggle going on. Um, But I'm really feeling the need to start slowing down a bit to give myself what I need. I think we were sharing before we we started uh, the, the podcast recording how you know, it's been a crazy summer for so many of us because it's the first summer after COVID, you know, and we're all just like back in the world. We're like, hello. And and we've almost like, well, I feel that I've completely overdone it, like a hundred percent overdone it. I've said yes to everything. I have no boundaries with anything. And I am honestly quite burnt out, but equally mm. I'm in a point in my cycle where I'm very like wanting, to, I just have a, I can feel it when I try to go to sleep at night, there's a lot of buzzing going on. So I'm in this fun of, funny state of overall needing to ground but hormonally probably wanting to be out there so it's a bit of a funny stage Mm, yeah I relate so I'm on I'm on day 16 so you and I have very very similar cycles I think we always have done yeah Yeah. so my ovulations was it's relatively short I feel um but my luteal is is long it's usually about 10 days um which my poor partner <laughs> but I've learned to I've learned to embrace it and these and these different parts of myself which of course we're going to dive into today but I'd love to know is is where did your journey begin so I suppose my journey with my cycle really started when I got my first period which was I was very young I was nine years old and that's you know pretty young and I was 
completely unprepared for it. So, um, you know, it, there was no education around it. And this is never me pointing the finger at anyone around me, like my mother or my grandmother, who obviously were the ones who got me my first, like, pad and things like that but there wasn't a lot of you know every month I was like oh my gosh how am I going to manage this you know I was going I was in a school <clears throat> with children you know we were all I was a child and that was really really difficult for me for many years um and then I think it was just a question of I, I I learned how to manage that a bit more I learned how to hide my menstruation from the world that was my main mm. aim for many many years was how can I hide the fact that I'm menstruating that was really it and then um, fast forward to like 16, 17. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go on the pill, you know, the usual, um, I'm going to go on the pill because everyone goes on the pill. I don't even know what it's for really, but I'm going to go on it. So I went on the pill and I felt horrific on the pill. And that was the first time I really started understanding the impact of hormones on our bodies, because I really felt very different on the pill. I had bled continuously for almost a year. And every time I went to the doctor, they'd be like, there's nothing wrong with you, just try another pill. And that was the moment when I really chose to start listening to what my my, my sort of gut was telling, my intuition was telling me. And I was like, this is not right, which is so, came off the pill, felt a lot better. And then it was pretty much like a ignore your cycle as much as possible, apart from worrying about getting pregnant, really, you know, mm -hmm. and it was only until I started, I trained to become a nutritionist and I started seeing more um, women coming into my practice. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is, I, I kept on attracting very similar clients. I then got diagnosed with fibroids. I was told there was nothing I could do apart from go on the pill, which I was like, I am not doing that and just not. And that's when I went on my own quest to kind of manage my fibroids nutritionally and with loads of other therapies involved like acupuncture, kinesiology, whatever I could get my hands on. And that was really like that, that kind of like becoming more aware of my hormones. But the real cyclical moment was when I kept on finding that myself and my clients that come back and they'd be like, oh, you know, I've done all this that you told me, but you know, I still have PMS and I still feel like shit the week before my period. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. You know, like I'm not doing my job right. And it was really when I started learning about like living cyclically, the four phases of the menstrual cycle, how we're not meant to feel the same every day. I was like, oh, I'm not a failure. I'm trying to do something that actually does not fit with our biology. You know, this is actually... And, and really stepping into that cyclical way of living. And then what I was doing was really leaning into my PMS. And I know that you really resonate with all that, you know, that kind of the, the wild woman archetype or the truth speaker or whatever you want to call it. And when I started doing that work with myself and my clients, it completely transformed things because we were no longer, it's the classic fitting whatever square peg into a round hole, you know, every month. They were like, I was still really moody. I still shouted at my husband. And I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe we need to eat more broccoli. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody broccoli. And it was like, you know, there is no amount of broccoli that's going to stop that. It's, it's so much more complex and nuanced and actually beautiful. But we were it was this always, always trying to, always going back to this, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. And I think that's a big story that underlies menstrual cycle work, right? Is we're always mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. Of course, you want to aim for optimal 
hormone health, but you're going to have ups and downs. So how can we work with them? How can we lean into them? How can we help them become a teacher and a guide? Um, and that's when my, my real menstrual cycle work began, because that was when we were, I was really, really embracing the four phases of the cycle and really going deep into supporting ourselves through that. So yeah, and now that's pretty much the cornerstone of my work, as, as you know. Mm. And I think a really big part of what you just said <clears throat> for me is on my journey is what is normal in inverted commas and what is healthy. And those two things are completely different. We are used to uh, painful bleeds, heavy bleeds, all of the, I mean, insert everything, right? And it's just normal, but that doesn't mean that you're healthy. And like you said, it's something that we just kind of get on with and we just, put up with it and it's not something that actually we need to do but there can also be a lot of shame that comes with that I feel like this journey is a huge unraveling of shame um yeah. and I'd love to know if you remember your first bleed I was nine and I'd been in school all morning and I came home at lunchtime um in those days because like, I, I grew up in Gibraltar where we used to have like a two-hour lunch break like super Mediterranean you know like you <laughs> I used to live opposite my school, so it was all very, it was lovely, it was great. And I remember coming home and I lived with my parents and my grandparents and um, I went to the toilet and there was blood and I had, nobody had told me because no one was expecting me to bleed so soon. I just obviously went up to my mum and I was like, this has happened. I remember both, she called my grandmother and they were both like huddling around me and they were like, oh, what do we do? No one had any sanitary products because my mom was using tampons and my grandmother has was postmenopausal, and all the shops were closed because it was like the Mediterranean, like God knows whatever, 30 something years ago, shops did not open, they closed at lunchtime. So I remember they gave me one of my grandfather's handkerchiefs and they were like, put this in your pants to soak up the blood and go to school and then we will deal with it this afternoon. So I remember going to school that afternoon with this very uncomfortable handkerchief, very thick. I mean, it did the job, um, but just sitting there thinking, what what has happened? You know, when you just don't really know. Um, so I do remember it very clearly. And I remember, I think I remember like how my grandmother and my mother were both a bit like, like shocked and taken aback that I was so young to have my period. And I, the main the main emotion for me was like complete and utter bewilderment just not knowing what the hell any of this meant and fear I suppose as well so yeah I do remember it very very clearly mm. and do you feel like the energy of that stayed with you so every time your bleed came do you feel like that sort of was attached to it and came with it too every month yeah absolutely it was and it, for me it was just a huge headache and inconvenience and a massive source of shame because obviously you know, like I was also, I had a period, so I was also quite developed physically, like I had breasts, I had pubic hair. It was a nightmare hiding all of this because I was obviously getting a lot of attention and wanted, I didn't even understand what the attention meant, you know, like obviously from boys in my class, etc. So every PE lesson was just an absolute nightmare, especially if I was bleeding, like I wasn't wearing tampons, I was nine, you know, so... I had to wear a pad and there was absolutely, you would not be let off for bleeding. Like, you know, I sometimes used to ask my mum, could you please write me a note that I'm not well, you know, I've got cold or whatever, because I can't face doing this in front of a group of boys, you know, like it was, it was 
pretty pretty traumatic actually when I look back on it now um, mm. and I think the worst thing is I was very much still in my heart a little girl but presenting in the body of a young woman and that was like yeah there's a lot of stuff going on and it went on for many years many many years mm. I feel you I really resonate I was nine when I got mine too and I developed very very early in fact mm. I I may have been I I, I believe that I had menstrual blood probably before then, younger than that, but it wasn't like a full bleed. Whereas my, the first mm. time I had menstrual blood, I was doing roly polies down the mm. hallway. And I remember it so clearly. And I hit my vulva on and my pubic bone on my foot. And then later on that afternoon, I, it was complete coincidence, but that afternoon I had blood when I went to the bathroom. Um, and all mm. of that day and it was very very light but it, I could there's yeah. no way I could have possibly hit it hard enough to create that but I was so fearful I thought I had internal bleeding I thought I was going to die that's honestly the first my first experience mm. of of menstruating in any way and then like you said the shame there was so much shame oh my goodness what is happening to me my body's changing then also like the hormones that come with that anyway and it's just such it's such a pivotal moment in a vulva owner's life or womb bearer's life. And yeah. I feel like it's just disregarded and it's not celebrated or even now it's not revered as a, a celebration or something to honor and a beautiful transition into, into womanhood. There is so much discomfort around it. And so it's almost like this taboo, you know, mm. like we just don't talk about it. There are very small movements out there holding like first bleed circles, which I think are incredible. But actually, I think they should be mandatory. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think mm. like you should be able to sign um, up, you know, and and take your daughter there Um yeah, it's 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 huge, and I think the shame is a big, big, big part of this, and that's probably the 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 part that went on and stayed with me the longest for years and years and years and years. The shame around all of it, and really not understanding what any of it was, you know, at all, at all, at all. Mm. And with sex education, were you was that part of your sex education? Were you taught about it? Was it very open? Like, what did you even receive so my I remember my mum got me a little book which was really sweet of her she was trying right and it was one of these like like really funny like illustrated books that were just because mm. up until that point my sex education had been the classic you know the joy of sex that classic mm. 1970s book that was all um with these illustrations that me and my cousin found you know <laughs> when you're like she's like look at the book I found you know looking at these things and going oh my god I don't know what any of this means but equally knowing that it's a little bit forbidden and actually yeah, yeah. Good to see bodies you know they were mm. they were not airbrushed or anything there were these sketches of like your classic 1970s men with big beards and lots of pubic hair and it was great to see that but I didn't really understand it and then my mum got me this this little cartoon book and it was all about when a man and a woman love each other they go to you know it was very just like, <laughs> oh God. screams of patriarchy <laughs> oh very 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 patriarchal very heteronormative you know what I mean like my gosh yeah. it was just like whatever but but I, I I I mean I'm 
I'm grateful that she at least tried. It was something that one of her friends had given her daughter. So it was doing the rounds, this book, but Mm. it didn't in any way really help me relate to what was happening in my body. You know, I didn't understand what any of that meant. Sex education in school was just just a bit of biology, literally. Like, you know, we were actually, I was talking about this with a friend of mine, um, Nat, who I host my podcast with the other mm, day. Um, and we were, yeah. And we were doing a little session on getting to know our vulvas and the anatomy of arousal because she's doing this course um, and she needed a case study. And I'm always up for that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah. And we were looking at these, you know, that the whole, the session involved looking at the, you know, drawings of the vulva and then going deep into the vulva and getting to know that with a mirror. And I was like, do you know what? We never, ever, ever once got shown a picture of a vulva or knowing what a vagina is or the difference or anything. It was always that, you know, when you try to put a tampon in, there was always like this cut picture of a womb from the side that didn't make any sense whatsoever. That's the only photograph, not even photograph, diagram I ever saw that I didn't even relate to. I didn't know what it meant. So unfortunately, no, my sex education, well, the one that I was, I suppose I went out and tried to learn for myself many years later, but the one I was exposed to as a child and as a young woman was was pretty pretty non-existent really Mm. I remember my mum it was a Saturday morning and it was probably 8 a.m and I remember her sheets I believe they were like blue and white checked it was I can see it so clearly and she had a cup of tea by her and she was like okay we're going to talk about the birds and the bees and I was like what the fuck and I was like (laughs) part of me was a bit like I don't want to especially with you like this is just really fucking uncomfortable but I mean I remember her drawing diagrams of the penis and talking about the anatomy of things and yes that that's actually what I remember more than Mm. the the very little education that I had in school I think we watched some videos I know some people had demonstrations of putting condoms on bananas and various things I never even had that we didn't I went to a catholic boarding school in the middle of nowhere run by nuns like that wasn't going to be taught like at all it's crazy and I know that you're obviously like you were saying that your mother and grandmother were obviously part of part of your initiation into womanhood do you Mm -hmm. feel like their their experience uh impacted or influenced yours at all I do. And I think the way it impacted me the most was that after that first bleed, we never talked about it again. So mm. it it just became something that you internalized and you just got on with. And I did have a few more conversations with my mother. I remember I was desperate to learn how to, to wear a tampon because I, mm. the tampon for me, I was like, oh gosh, this sounds like a dream come true. You know, the ultimate way to hide my bleed. And clearly as a nine-year-old I could not insert a tampon and my mother you know she was like I think you're a bit young for this and I remember there was a school trip coming up maybe when I was 10 11 or something we were actually going away for a whole week like to Welsh mountains and I was like I was going to be due on that that week and I remember begging with her I was like please teach me how to put a tampon in I cannot go to that trip without wearing a tampon and she kind of helped me but actually I couldn't do it so it was a very very difficult week the teachers all knew I was going to be on my period. So they kept on like checking in on me and it was so embarrassing. And it was, it was, it was very, very traumatic actually. But I think going back to your question, I, what I learned from, from, uh, you know, from my mother and my grandmother was that you don't talk about it. And um, I think later on, you know, when you start asking questions a little bit late, you know, when I became more aware, like my grandmother would call 
call it things like you know having the what was it she it was a spanish phrase but it was something like having the you know the painters in or whatever like something or the red man is here or something i'm just like oh my gosh like okay yeah um, the red man <laughs> the red man and that yeah. was literally all she would say you know um and then like you know obviously now doing all this work i talk to my mum a lot more about it and she'll be like oh yeah i used to get horrific pms i'm like we I never knew you never once she's like oh I just take like a lot of painkillers and get on with it and you know it's just like wow 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 you know because I'm always like telling not just everyone around me but everyone anyone who cares to know on social media how I'm feeling you know what I mean so it's just like <clears throat> it just wasn't talked about and that I think really really influenced me it was it was not something you talked about you kept all this to yourself absolutely mm. and it was a source of again shame and taboo and yeah, not to be mentioned around anyone. Hmm. I think that's why your work is so healing, like not only for others, but also for yourself and your inner child, like you get to speak about it and reclaim it as this powerful and sacred part of you. And to be able to speak about it so openly and allow others to witness that and be a part of the conversation this podcast is all about spilling the taboo tea so it's yeah. talking about these things openly even now still people do not talk about it it's definitely becoming more and more spoken about but there's still a lot of shame around it especially like leaking or bleeding into your underwear and things like that you know going to the gym or doing pole and then opening your legs and you haven't quite finished yet and all of these things yeah. where do you feel like this shame began I feel it probably began when whenever it was that humankind realized that that blood meant life and the power that 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 brought with it and um when the the last sort of matriarchal societies sort of started petering out as well so again you know we're going to have to bring it up the patriarchy realizing you know the power of this blood and realizing that actually the only way to deal with it is to, to make it as taboo as possible and, um, you know, surround it with fear and suspicion because that's the only way to control it. That's that's how I feel, really. You know, like mm. so many societies ostracize anyone who's who's bleeding, you know, like and there's a difference. Right. There's a difference between like the idea of the red tent where you went to bleed collectively and tap into mm. power, and come back and then guide your tribe. And then there's the being cast aside because you're impure that's a big big difference and I'm I'm not sure where that happened I would love to look into that in more depth to be honest with you but I know there was a shift and I suspect it was that moment when the patriarchy really started taking hold and it was like fuck you know if we let this get out of control we're going to lose our power or we're not going to grow and because I think there's an awareness that this blood really symbolizes life and and the ability to give life and that is the ultimate power so um mm. yeah I think that's that's where it started and you know still very much a part of of how we live today which is crazy like even we still hide you know I, I think I wrote about this a while ago like we still hide our menstrual products when we go to the toilet like you mm. know who even I've done that before I'll get my you know if I'm out and about and I really need to change if I've got a tampon on or like my whatever I'm doing you know I'm like oh you know what I mean like or mm. I've got to take my whole bag I don't want anybody to see the fact that I'm bleeding and um, I, I have experimented with that and I have experimented taking products out quite brazenly and I'm, I feel a bit like oh this is really awkward mm. yeah it's a lot of a lot of unraveling and I you know yes as much 
as much as it represents life, this blood, it also represents death. And yes. how fucking powerful is that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, oh, my nipples went hard. Mm. <laughs> like, that's when we know we're onto something. <laughs> the full body chills. But it's it's this this energy, you know, the energy of the cervix, the death and rebirth, the dark yeah. goddess, and yeah. harnessing that energy and and reveling in that energy and honoring that energy. And we are in a constant state of death and rebirth, like not only every day, but every month. And it it's something to be lived in harmony with, mm. yeah. I believe. Yeah. But yeah. also goddess culture was about 5,000 years ago was when things started to, yeah. to, to turn and to change where women weren't you know, really revered and celebrated as much. And the, the red tents, which you, you mentioned, but where all the women used to leave and and bleed together and come back and then lead the tribes, the tribesmen. I mean, it's just so far from what we know now and who we are individually and as a collective. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel that your relationship with your body changed and and continues to change through all the seasons and cycles of your life yeah a big big question you know I think for me especially obviously going back to when I got my first bleed I was very uncomfortable with becoming a woman because I I I was there was a lot of fear there a lot of it based on a lot of unwanted attention and I didn't really like I've said already I didn't know what it meant but it felt dangerous it felt like I was not safe Mm. and um so I always associated this changing body with with danger you know I was like what's happening and I remember the first few times when I had comments from men and I was very very young and I didn't even know what the comments meant but I knew that the key to staying safe was hiding what was happening with my body (laughs) you know like that was a big big thing so for many years it was like and I've talked to other um you know women and just menstruators who developed early and they'll say you know we did the same it's like wearing three vests on top of your school blouse so you can't see your bra or you it's trying to find a sports bra that looks like a vest it's you know, wearing things that cover you up as much as possible. So there was a lot of that going on for a long, 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 long time. Um, There was also, I was taller than anyone in my class. I was, you know, bigger than anyone in my class. Like when we used to do these projects of like shoe size and this size, I was always the one at the very, very end, you know, and that always felt like, again, unwanted attention. So for many, many years, I was just about hiding myself really. and really just sort of like not always trying to avoid being in the limelight, avoid the attention because naturally just by being the tallest and everything else, people would look at me. So that was, that was hard. Um, And then, yeah, I suppose there was a lot of stuff. Oh, late teens, early twenties relationship was probably at its most challenging. I was in a very abusive relationship and there was a lot of control there and it all revolved around my, my body and my, my size and being told all the time that I, I would be pretty if I wasn't this size, if I wasn't this big, if I lost weight. I mean, what a dick. Yeah, (laughs) absolute, absolute, absolute dick, you know, and 
I am so glad that I saw the light and that I saw, you know, it, it, at that age, we are so vulnerable. You know, the world is confusing. Your, your hormones are through the roof. You don't know who you are. And it really fucked with my head for quite a few years, to be honest with you. But um, I'm so, so pleased that one, I had an aha moment one day and I was like, right, that's it. And looking back on it now, I'm like, that was so, so abusive. Um, <clears throat> but those were difficult years. And actually that kind of pushed me into a sort of semi eating disorder for a while. Not, it wasn't like, it was disordered eating. It was like extreme dieting, doing all sorts of really weird diets, like the cabbage soup diet and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's interesting because it's something that I've been revisiting a lot recently. I've just read a book called You Are Not a Before Picture. I don't know if you've come across it. It's it's, it's wow. a really good book um, by Alex Light, <clears throat> who's a real like body image um coach and personality and she's not about body positivity it's like body neutrality which I really resonate with because you can't always be positive about your body but you can at least try to be neutral and not assign all these things and <laughs> I've literally finished reading it last night because you know I think there's still a lot of work I need to do with my past but I'm also finding it's coming up again now that I'm in my 40s and I'm in perimenopause and my body is changing again I actually had a pretty healthy relationship with my body in my 30s because I really was really loving nourishing myself you know it was great I kind of broke free of these abusive relationships all this shit and I really got into nutrition in a very healthy way actually it was great I loved it and then you get get into your 40s and you're like oh god what's happening like I have no control over this bloody body again like, <laughs> you know and and it's really been something that I've been revisiting in relation to my early teens and my 20s and now getting to love this changing body shape again but also almost taking it on as a challenge as a fuck you why should I you know feel shit about my body because it's aging like, like and don't be surprised if you see me like honestly becoming like like a bit more like you the Katie Moore of the kind of like <laughs> very menopausal world being like fuck it I'm just gonna be naked all the time and I'm gonna normalize these these a changing body you know like yeah it, and it's 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 actually like a big thing for me at the moment to to work through all of this and really embracing the changes and yeah I think being at least aiming to be neutral about it and 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 just enjoying everything that my body can do you know so it's it's really a very much a work in progress at the moment like mm -hmm. it's I'm not gonna lie to you there are days when it's it's hard you like you're like wow like I'm not doing anything different I know all the science of what's happening to my body but it's hard to see it changing and it's I also feel like actually like you've mentioned about death already it's like I feel like there ha it would be great to like maybe lean in more to like grieving and being okay with grieving my 30 year old body, you know, and mm. having a ritual around it and, and being all right with it and, and being grateful for it, but then almost going, okay, well, this is a new chapter because we just don't really grieve or acknowledge the death of any cycle or anything. Right. So mm. I think yes, it's part of this process and, and just letting go, which is part of the menstrual cycle of any cycle, letting go, and creating a sense of peace and it's not like you're like oh I'm fine now you know but it's almost like using that process of death rebirth to work through this relationship with with, with my body as well so yeah
it's so alive for me as well we actually spoke about this in my first episode with Lydia Reeves who does the female body casting I was talking about um body acceptance rather than body positivity um coming to a place of actually celebrating this neutral ground this neutrality of like not being on one end of the spectrum being being just okay with it and I feel like in that space you then become unfuckable with right but there's there's definitely like you said this there's this grief and we do not embody grief or allow ourselves to move through those emotions and to really fully let go of our past past lovers past versions of ourselves um parts of our body all of these things and I think you mentioned about how there's like almost like this rage behind it, like getting angry sometimes about the society. And I feel like that's such a sacred emotion. I fucking love it when I go, you know what I'm like, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to fucking let rip, but it's, that's very new for me because again, that was a lot of shame attached to that, but, but rage is the element of fire. And that really allows you to set these boundaries, like for yourself, like this is who I am, like this is where I'm going. It allows you to burn down anything that is no longer in alignment. And that gets to be versions of yourselves or thoughts or, you know, social conditioning and all of these things. It can be such a powerful tool. But underneath that rage, because rage is a secondary emotion, the um, emotion tends to be grief which is the element of water and allowing that to really feel the grief in your body, allowing yourself to, you know, the only way to move through things is to feel them. And we are not good at feeling our feelings at all. We are so disconnected from our bodies and from our truth and from our essence and allowing yourself to drop into these sacred cycles of your month you get to drop into these different archetypes. You get to drop into these different parts of you and you get to harness that and really step into who you are in every given moment. And like you said at the very beginning, you are never the fucking same. One day to the next, even one moment to the next. So we need to start honoring and celebrating change, this cyclical nature, because that is who we are yes 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 and you know I think that's the, that's where the real power comes of, of working more closely with your menstrual cycle or mm. with the seasons whatever you want to work with the moon you know every cycle brings with it a letting go a moment of grief a moment of rage a moment of acceptance a moment mm. of rebirth and I, I, I actually feel that having done some work now with my cycle, that's really helping me prepare for this next stage, this next life mm-hmm. stage, this bumpy perimenopausal stage. And it's funny because I was writing a, pl- a post about this on the plane, you know, somebody sent me a question the other day, which is like, when should I start worrying about peri- perimenopause? And I didn't really answer that question at all. I was like, why are you worrying? We need to think about yeah. this question, the worry, why, you know, like, and I worry about it too. But like you say, we don't allow ourselves to feel. So we end up just worrying about things, which is, mm. it's because we're not allowing ourselves to move through every single phase of, of feeling into the, what's happening and how we are changing, you know? And I agree, it's like, 
coming back to how we feel about our bodies I think for so many of us the thing is like you look in the mirror or you try something on and you're like oh my god I feel awful and then the next thing it might be like oh I need to restrict what I'm eating or I must try harder and blah 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 but we never go into the next bit you know what I mean mm. and they're like why do I feel like this what's triggered me why is this so important how can I challenge it how does this feel and for me one of the things what I'm really working in now is is the anger the rage and I wonder where the grief will come you know but I'm really like it really fires me up because I'm like fuck you patriarchy fuck you everyone you know just because I potentially can't have babies soon doesn't mean I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be invisible in fact I'm gonna be more visible than ever yeah right exactly get fucking angry about it I encourage everyone to get fucking angry about things that they're passionate about I mean there's such um similar energies anyway but I think something which you um mentioned is you know for example well two things actually one we tend to live in the past oh I used to look like this this is how I used to be all the time when I was in my teens when I was in my 20s when I was in my 30s and look where I am now or oh my goodness where am I going oh am I going to be premenopausal am I going to you know for me like am I going to have kids that's something that I've been unraveling you know as we know which perhaps we'll talk about you know shortly but it's about how can you come back to your to now to be embodied means to be present, to be mm-hmm. in your body. How can you just be in your body today? There's nothing mm-hmm. to fix. There's nothing to change. Like, how can you just be who you are as you are, right? We are told in society that, you know, you should have a flat and sucked in the stomach versus like a soft and relaxed one that you should be small, contract, contort, hide parts of yourself, deny your fullness, you know, be more attractive. Fuck Mm. that. (laughs) You are way too fucking goddamn juicy to shrink yourself any longer. Mm. Allow your womb to take up space, to Mm. breathe, to move and allow it to expand into its fullest power and expression. Like I'm just in a space of my life where I'm fucking done trying to hide my belly because that Mm. is my womb that is my sacred temple Mm. right or make myself small because society deems that you know flat tummies are more lovable or valuable or desirable more than like a fully embodied plump plump, like mouth-watering womb it's a fucking act of rebellion to stop sucking in where are my fucking rebels at (laughs) (laughs) i'm here (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't agree with you more and this we're always the brain is always fixating like you say Mm. either the past or the future and interestingly something I was reading last night in that book was like you know how many times do you look at a photograph of yourself in your 20s and you're like oh my god I look fucking amazing but I was so miserable because I thought Mm. I was fat or ugly or this or that and you look at it now and you're like wow you know Mm. like and it's never about it's never about your body. It's actually about what's going on in your head and and what how you're interpreting the world, mm. you know? So it's like you say, one of the, the most powerful ways to do that is just be in the moment, you know, and and be who you are today and, and, and feel embodied and enjoy the sensations and eat some fucking delicious food and oh, yes. you know, like feel the sun on your face or wherever you want to, you know, just like, 
I think, you know, you are the pleasure queen. And <laughs> there is this massive correlation with us blocking pleasure because mm. we are so afraid of the impact it might have on our bodies or we're so preoccupied on how we're looking mm. that we completely deny ourselves huge amounts of pleasure which you know mm. and I believe pleasure is almost like a muscle you have to train it after fucking years of being obsessed with like you say if you're focused on sucking your tummy in how the fuck are you going to enjoy a, a nice a meal you know a delicious meal or mm. how are you going to enjoy a chocolate bar or whatever because you're like you know I can't look like mm. this or whatever it's just Oh God, I mean, we could talk about this for a very, very long time, but you know, it's, 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 you know, I don't even know what the word is, but like, I am not here for that anymore. Fuck that. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you are not going to experience the biggest fucking mind blowing orgasm, worrying about what you look like in that position. It's not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. not going to happen. So with that, like, how has your relationship with pleasure you know in in over the seasons and the yeah the stages of your life well oh gosh I mean this is very much something again that's very alive for me now because this massive rebel is coming out and I'm like enough you know like because I have been so preoccupied with this new transitioning into this like I suppose perimenopause is almost like the autumn of your life if you want to call mm. it that you know things are um, in terms of hormones, reproductive hormones winding down. And I've been so preoccupied with what that means. I'm worried about like going into like menopause and everything that I really do think my pleasure has taken almost like a second kind of like, you know, step, step backwards. It's not become, it's not been a focus because there's been so much worry about everything else. How's the world going to see me? How are my friends going to see me? How are my family going to see me? You know, like all this, mm -hmm. like, you know, so I, and it really has taken up so much of my thinking that pleasure has just gone out the window. I mean, I haven't done anything like um, restrict my eating or anything, but I honestly would, you know, full transparency. I think I've been so preoccupied with going into this new phase that pleasure has kind of like taken a bit of a sidestep, you know, and mm. I almost think there's a little bit of um, I don't deserve it kind of idea. You know what I mean? There's almost like, uh, well, who are you? To re because I, I do believe that's a very unspoken narrative yeah. in society is when you get to this certain age, who are you to deserve pleasure? Like, you know, like when you rewatch certain television programs or whatever that you used to love when you were when you were younger and you watch them now and you're like, oh, my gosh, like there's always this older woman who like maybe you know, I was watching an episode of Big Bang Theory or something. And there was this older woman who who comes on to one of them and it's 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 so sad because the implication was that it was disgusting you know how dare she the whole narrative was so and I watched that and I was like wow you know like these subconscious messaging which is like pleasure and getting older do not go together so just forget it you know and go and shrivel up in a corner because nobody wants to know about you so I feel now that I'm moving into this more um really wanting to get back into that that pleasure kind of zone exploring new avenues of pleasure but coming back into my body again but really exploring new things and and just really thinking about pleasure being so multifaceted right because it's it's from everything it's how you eat your food mm -hmm. it's how you show up in your business it's your friendships your relationships all of them have pleasure or hopefully will have pleasure like sort of like flowing through them and really I feel like it's time to do an audit of where is the pleasure where is the pleasure coming from and where can I really lean into that pleasure um, but yeah it's been 
I would say it's been, and I think also being locked up at home for a couple of years has sort of been a bit of a pleasure killer, to be honest with you. And there was a very big focus on just maintaining mental health and maintaining like a sort of level of functioning where you, you, know, you didn't have the deep kind of pleasure sort of coming in anymore. So yeah, and God, if you were riding back to all teen years and all that, <sighs> pleasure, really. It was just like, I didn't really know what it was half the time. And it was very much... In, if we're talking about sexual pleasure it was just like almost like whatever if I happened to be with a partner who sort of vaguely cared about my pleasure sometimes it was better sometimes it wasn't because I didn't know what the fuck they were doing but you know at least they were trying but I never had the kind of courage to speak out and say I, I don't like that I don't want to do that you know so yeah still a lot of work to be done I think a lot a lot a lot so watch this space I can't wait. Absolutely. It's time to, to reclaim that, to reclaim that soulful sexuality. And in, you know, in seasons of our life, you know, we have sexual seasons, just like the menstrual cycle, you know, and Mm. the, the nature, we are part of nature. And there's definitely been times, you know, where I'm, in my summer and I'm just like I want to try everything 10 times a day the more orgasms are better I can't leave the bedroom like great and that's amazing but in the past six months of my life I have personally been going through a big fucking initiation in my relationship and for me it's just been a winter it's not that I haven't been embodying any pleasure because I believe in expanding what pleasure means pleasure doesn't mean having an orgasm it can be anything that makes you feel alive right and also sometimes pleasure you only feel safe with what feels familiar if embodying pleasure does not yet feel familiar it doesn't yet feel safe so starting to embody pleasure on a daily basis from you know making your morning cup of coffee and smelling it and drinking it in the most luxurious sensual way to feeling the sun kissing your skin or allowing the the music of your favorite song to land in your body (laughs) all of these things are going to regulate your nervous system that's you know safety they're going to um, rewire your neural pathways familiarity and they're going to allow you to then feel safe to open up and to experience and embody deeper pleasure deeper pleasure inside of the bedroom starts outside of the bedroom always so starting to incorporate it in any way that feels good but I of course I understand that that it's not always as easy as that and there's so much to unravel but it's just about taking these really slow soft surrendered sensual steps one at a time Mm -hmm. and you will open up and witness your pleasure potential that's is yeah. what every single person is worthy of <laughs> absolutely absolutely and when this podcast comes out please can you like type this that particular little bit up so I can pull it up <laughs> and look at it every day but you're so so right I mean I feel for me just something that is really powerful is putting on some body oil after a shower mm. like for for so long I would be like quick moisturize not really in touch with my body oh shame get dressed and be very disconnected so the act of just putting on some oil you know doesn't have to be like 
particularly sort of feel sexual or anything but just enjoying that you know the, the connecting with my body and then I love seeing it like all shiny mm. you know like nicely like moisturized mm. and just like glistening that gives me a lot of pleasure um but it's it's one of those things I can tell when I'm going through one of my like times of feeling very uncomfortable in my body or there's body image stuff that's the first thing that goes like boom mm. out the window you know like so it's that for me is a really lovely practice to bring back in and when I'm doing that I know that I'm like okay just trying to be more embodied and and just have deepen that relationship but also it's the enjoyment that that brings can be mm. just just so wonderful as well yeah absolutely and I think it's asking yourself you know again in the in the theme of of cyclical you know what you enjoyed in your 20s to your 30s is going to change what you enjoyed then is going to change to now you are forever changing not only physically hormonally but also sexually right mm -hmm. we have our erotic blueprints we have our arousals we have our turn-ons and turns off and they are forever changing just as we are so some people you know feel as though oh well I'm not really that sexual or I'm not you know that turned on or mm -hmm. whatever it is and it's actually not that it's just that you're used to this certain type of pleasure usually you know penis and vagina sex or penetrative sex of any kind that's mm. what pleasure is. Well, mm. well, no, actually, I mentioned before in a previous episode that actually my partner and I have taken penetrative sex off the table for a couple of weeks because mm. it's starting to, you know, get to know one another again in this new season after six months of really deep healing individually and as a couple, mm. you know, on wounds I didn't even know were there. I mean, fuck me, <laughs> abandonment, commitment issues, you name it, we went there. But starting to oh, um, but starting to get to know each other and building that intimacy. Intimacy starts outside of the bedroom always and starting yeah. to, you know, to, to explore, well, what does pleasure mean to me? How yeah. does pleasure feel for me? What brings me pleasure? Yeah. You know, have I embodied pleasure today? What can I do to embody pleasure? Mm. These very, very simple questions actually are really, really potent and profound and allow you to drop drop into your pleasure potential even more mm. oh I love that the pleasure potential that's that's like oh yeah <laughs> and it's true because anything has a potential to be pleasurable if you know yeah. like whatever works for you and it's exploring that and just like yeah that I think we're, we're and we are moving away from a lot of these narratives but like like you say like penetrative sex or even like this idea that you even have to orgasm any of this stuff like mm -hmm. pleasure can literally just be sort of semi-rolling about like you know running a finger doing it just a little like stroke on your you know I mean that's always delicious right so like mm -hmm. why why are we always it's I think it really like probably embodies what what we're like as a society we're always in a rush we've always got to get there wherever mm -hmm. there is you know what I mean and it's it's just not about that. And the minute you take that pressure off, oh my God, it's like a taking off a pleasure pressure valve, right? You're like, oh, now I can actually be in the moment and enjoy whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, mm. like, even if it's that, just like enjoying some sun on your face or whatever. Oh, mm. so. But that's the thing, we live in a culture where we value fast over slow, logic mm. over feeling, rigidity mm. over fluidity, mind over body. And we've become so 
used to this rush where we are always on the go. I mean, you know, when you're listening to this, look around you right now, how many people are rushing from place to place, texting, calling, voice noting, emailing, mm. eating too fast, you know, even intimacy has become rushed. Yeah. And this is completely fucking up our nervous system, our adrenals, our hormones, all of this is being impacted by that. Mm. Like I said, it's an act of rebellion, yes, to stop sucking in, but it's an even bigger fucking act of rebellion to reclaim your fucking power. It's a fucking internal revolution to reclaim pleasure, authentic pleasure. Mm -hmm. Pleasure mm -hmm. that is pleasurable for you, not what society tells you pleasure should be or what your partner says is pleasurable or what you've seen in porn or mm -hmm. films, mm -hmm. right? That is where you take your power back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, again, I'm I'm really like, I think at this stage of my life, there's a lot of reevaluation. And I'm, again, going back to like maybe watching a film or whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I was so heavily influenced by all this when I was younger. Like I thought that was what you did. And actually a lot of the things when you're looking at a love scene or whatever are so not what would bring me pleasure personally, you know, but mm. that's what I did because I, I didn't know any better. And I never, yeah. nobody once ever told me, does does that feel good to you? You know, I just thought, oh, that's what you do. You know, the eternal mm. good girl pleasing everyone else. Or this looks like what we're meant to be doing. So like you say, you know, that's where the revolution is inside and really owning your pleasure and having fun with it as well. Just enjoying mm. it. And just, yeah. Oh, I'm inspired today. now. Today is going to be a pleasure. Yes. Well, every day is going to be a pleasure day, but today is going to be like a particularly pleasurable day. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I would love to, in the, in the theme of this, is <clears throat> like talk a little bit about what actually happens in your body at each phase of your cycle in the month and how your your hormones will then be affected by you know your like your libido and your sex drive and how mm. that will impact your pleasure and embodying pleasure in that cyclical way yeah so before we even go into that what i want to say is that everybody experiences pleasure differently so there is the very very kind of like you know classic experience of the menstrual cycle and then there's your own experience so some people can feel extremely turned on when they're bleeding you know there is and there are more people talking about the power yeah exactly Me, right so <laughs> yeah exactly and but again, I think because of the taboos around bleeding and the, you know, myths about your penis falling off if you um, <laughs> go near, near a woman who's bleeding, you know, all this shit, there is still a lot of shame around that time. I enjoy it too. I've, you know, gone through phases when I've really, really loved it. I feel, mm. yeah, I just, it feels very different. It feels like a, I'm working on a slightly deeper level deeper spiritually. Level. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, so before we even go into that, the caveat is, please listen to how this kind of um, sort of like really expresses itself for you in your cycle, because just because your estrogen is low does not mean that you will not potentially be really open to feeling pleasure. But so going into your menstrual cycle, when we're bleeding menstruation, our both our, our main reproductive hormones, estrogen and progesterone are low. So in theory, um, you know, estrogen is the one that is going to make us feel all juicy and sexy and everything else. Um, and progesterone is the one that makes us feel calm and, and quite like in the mood for nesting and all of this. So in theory, we should be feeling pretty like low libido. But like I said, I've actually spoken to a lot of people who find this time 
you know, it's a different energy. It's a different type of pleasure that you experience here, but it can, I think, be quite a pleasurable time. And it may be that this is a time when you enjoy different types, different practices, different ways of being touched. Maybe this is not a time you may feel uncomfortable with, with penetration, but there's, there is something about it that's quite like a, um, I don't even know what the word is. Maybe you've got a word for it. I feel that you probably do. I, what is the word for for the way we some of us can feel at this time? There's, I think it's really earthy. Yeah, it feels yeah. really grounded, and I feel so deep, like in yes. my womb and my pussy. I'm like there. Yeah. All <laughs> of my attention is here, and obviously with all of the blood, and then in the erectile tissue and the arousal and the sexual energy, I'm just so grounded, and it feels earthy and rooted yeah absolutely and I think it's it, just just let it like feel into it because I think many of us are always like almost like oh well I'm on my period so you know you know I shouldn't be thinking about this maybe just let that thought like kind of trickle down and see where you are for me it sometimes expresses itself I'm just like it just hits me all of a sudden I'm like oh you know like, me too really weird I mean I'm a complete horn bag most of the time but <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's like proper you're just like oh and yeah. I'm just like oh. and it lands it just and honestly yeah. I'm just like oh what am I going to do about this it's almost like I need to go somewhere and and sort not sort it out but you know what I mean? <laughs> tend to it urgency that I won't get in other parts of my cycle you know yeah. like it's, I'd be sat there literally I'd be doing an email and I'd be like oh Oh, you're right. I'll finish this up quickly. <laughs> I don't even finish. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that next time. I won't even finish it. Um, but it feels, for me personally, there's like an urgency. There's like a real, and it comes from nowhere, which actually surprisingly doesn't happen in other times of my mm. cycle. But then moving on to the next phase, which is our inner spring pre-ovulation this is when estrogen is rising. So in theory, this is a time when we're feeling a bit more like, ooh, you know, starting to come back to life. Um, so for many people, this is a time when you start, you start dressing a bit differently. Maybe you're like, oh, I feel a bit more confident. I want to wear things that are making me feel a bit more um, actually maybe like, like sexual or making me turned on with myself if you're in touch with yourself. Or you may just not want to be wearing a baggy jumper anymore. You know, it depends mm. how that expresses itself for you. And this can be, I mean, this can be, and let's also say we all have different experiences every month. It's not like every cycle is the same for us either, right? There are some mm. key bits that happen other times. So I can go for months and months where my my spring and summer are a bit of a hmm, and then there'll be one that catches me totally unawares and oh my goodness I'm just literally like you know like wandering around like some sort of crazed sort of I don't even know how to describe myself and I'm sex like, goddess that's what I'm gonna go yeah, and I'm like I can feel it inside me and I'm like fucking hell like you know it's just like <laughs> so that, and, 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 you know, for many people, this is a time when you are experiencing that increase and that, that libido is rising. Um, and then obviously, but, the, you know, the, the caveat to that is sometimes this can be a challenging time for some people. Mm -hmm. So you may not feel sexy. You may start getting to, you're, you know, you're, you're reacting to this estrogen rise, but not in a particularly pleasurable way. There can be a bit of discomfort, you know, maybe ovulation is coming and that's not your most comfortable time. And that's also okay. So actually not putting the pressure on yourself to be like, oh, now is when I need to feel like the sex goddess, you know, just see how it expresses for you. And then obviously you've got 
in a summer, which is like ovulation. So in theory, this is what we are. Well, if you've ovulated, if you're ovulating, this is peak fertility. So for those of us who experience this kind of like ovulation as this time, that's when you, you know, really like full blown sex goddess, if you're experiencing that kind of cycle and you're just like, you know, like literally, you you know you're wandering around and and anything can be like a oh like a trigger but in a good way you know or like stimulate you or whatever and it can feel absolutely amazing if you have a wonderful ovulation like it can feel I think I remember my last really really like full-blown crazy ovulation was a few months ago and it was I was just like yeah on the heat literally for three days like I just you know to the point where I'm like when is this going to end because I can't concentrate on anything almost you know what I mean you're just like okay and you're like yeah, what I'm thinking because these thoughts are right really like you're yeah, Phil it's like Juliette's right she hasn't left the bedroom in like three days <laughs> you know you're just like oh my god like I can't even go and you know like I, I remember at this point being just going to buy some food or something in the supermarket and the there was this like sort of cash this guy like just taking I was just paying him with card and I was like I couldn't look at him because I was just having all these like and but I kind of wanted to enjoy them but at the same time like fuck just make the payment and just like <laughs> and buy then double the, the cornets <laughs> <laughs> so yeah when it works like that it can be amazing but like please don't ever no shame around actually you can't believe, you wouldn't believe how many messages I have from so many people who really find ovulation very, very challenging. They have pain, they have discomfort, and it really, really changes your experience. So that's you. That might be the time when actually you're not particularly feeling very sort of like aroused or turned on by things. And that's okay. Um, absolutely fine. It's always about what works, for, what's happening for you. And then coming into inner autumn when everything's coming down. I mean, this is a, this is, very tumultuous but like can be such an amazing time for so many reasons but this is like you can feel all sorts of things here you can honestly feel like you want to like leave your partner divorce them smack them in the face or you just want to grab them to you and just like have the craziest kind of sex you've ever had or you might want to do both it's very difficult you might change halfway through like it's, it's... <laughs> I think I'm in the both category <laughs> I think most of us are to yeah. be honest with you so fuck them then kill them <laughs> yeah like a praying mantis <laughs> and it's it's so funny because like hormonally this is when there's a lot going on right estrogen's tanking after ovulation sometimes we can feel really good when it's dipping progesterone comes up and this is the the hormone of pregnancy but we know like a lot of women when they're pregnant can actually feel really like turned on and wanting to uh, wanting a lot of pleasure and then estrogen comes up again so there can be like a final like oh you know and then you're heading into your bleed and sometimes when there's a lot of turmoil heading into the bleed can also be a time when you're really like you've processed the whole cycle there's a letting go and actually maybe like that's a point where you do feel a lot of pleasure because that feeling that pleasure is really helping you process and let go and everything. So this one is a real mixed bag. And, 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 and you know, I love hearing how people, how this is expressed for people um, during this time. Obviously PMS is a huge, huge issue at this point. Sometimes I always say, well, what's a PMS telling you? What, what's coming up for you? You know, maybe that this is when you have the conversation, you know, with your partner, you tell them everything that's fucking you off. And then you go off and now you have a jolly good time to put it politely. You know, it's, it's how does it express itself for you? So, 
So, yeah, I think in summary, there is no wrong or right way to experience pleasure throughout the cycle. See how it all feels for you and um, lean into it and explore it and have fun with it. And um, again, it comes back to shame. There's no shame in feeling any of it. You know, there's no shame in in bleeding and just wanting to have the craziest, wildest sex you've ever had in your life. Like there really, really is no shame. Yeah, definitely. I mean, your blood is like, is your sacred sacred nectar of the body mm. it's not it's not disgusting it's not filthy it's not dirty it's not shameful mm. uh, for me <clears throat> in winter what I really desire to share is that if you are um having penetration on your bleed whether that's with your own fingers or a wand or um you know a partner please use lube because your blood is not lubrication. No. And also spit is not lube. <laughs> I know who the fuck needs to hear that, but someone does. But please, please ensure that, that you do use extra lube, especially in this time. Um, because mm. as we know, it, it can cause more, more trauma in the body and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So feeling really, really comfortable and really, yeah. really soft. Mm. Mm. So, Julieta, my love, for the most important question yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> are you ready to play undress quick fire round of would you rather? Absolutely. I can't wait <laughs> for these questions. I'm probably going to go away afterwards and go, wow. <laughs> no, not at all. So usually we do it in about 30 seconds, but I'm not, I'm not going to time it because, yeah. you know, give you some space for it. Okay. So I will try to be very like intuitive. I'm going to tell you the first thing that comes into my head. I'm not going to think it through. Absolutely. That is what we want. Right. So three, two, one. Ovulation sex or self-pleasure bleed on your bleed? Self-pleasure on bleed. Period sex, hot or not? Hot. Self-pleasure with a crystal wand or a vibrator? Crystal wand. Sex on top of the covers or under the covers? On top. Sex in front of the mirror or in the shower? Mirror. Dominatrix queen or pillow princess? Depends <laughs> <laughs> where I am on my cycle, but probably more often pillow princess. I love a good pillow. <laughs> Would you rather P and V or a G and T? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I do love a good G and T though. Like you can't beat it. <laughs> Put your hands together. <laughs> oh, amazing. So G and T. Yeah, G and T, and then let's see what happens. That's my yes. answer. <laughs> in a room when you have sex it's all natural baby or call the rspca oh call the rspca i've been there so many times i'm just like please stop like milo if if we even get close to one another milo literally like looks at us jumps off the bed and walks out into the other room <laughs> so... oh, really? Yeah. No, Taylor looks all forlorn, like, oh, and you're just like, like you're touching me off now. She's like, stop touching my mother. Oh, it's a nightmare, it really is. Oh, um, sending a nude or receiving a dick pic? 
sending a nude oh my goodness my favorite is when they like put things near their dicks you have like a reference so it's like (laughs) it's like a coke bottle in the background you're like oh is that a regular size coke bottle or a family size (laughs) and lastly my love what is your biggest turn on oh a physical thing that always works for me, I was thinking about it the other day, is a lovely forearm. <laughs> like, mm. just, you just can't beat a good forearm, can you? Like, it's <laughs> just a kind of cliched <laughs> constant turn on for like, the last 30 years. I'm sorry, it's still the same one. <laughs> just to clarify, tickling, not putting it in you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe in my 50s, I'll be like, like, do you know what? I've changed my mind on that. But um, yeah, it's more the visual. It's more just the looking and thinking what it could do. It's that Mm. kind of thing. Always like I've been a constant, constant in my life. So yeah, that would be the the, the turn on randomly. Still working to this day. (laughs) I love that. Babe, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. How can people find you? Where can they come and hang out? Yeah, so um, I am pretty active on Instagram. So come and say hello there at hormones underscore in underscore harmony um, or go to my website, hormonesinharmony.co.uk. But literally, I mean, or and you can sign up to my newsletters through my website or Instagram. Um, but I'm around there quite a lot. So come and say hello. Anything you've heard today that you want to sort of talk about more, you know, I love having a good juicy DM chat as well. So please, please come and say hello. I really connecting is one of my things I just love love connecting with my community and welcoming new members to my community so please please come and say hello yeah absolutely I have to say that Julietta's uh, Instagram especially is very educational it's very empowering Julietta and I have actually been on a um, journey together which I feel as though you should come back and we should speak about two more about the endometriosis mm. and the cyst mm. and the cervical mm. dysplasia and for you obviously the fibroids. I feel like that's a conversation that perhaps we could come back and and have if you'd like to like to be back on undressed. I would love to absolutely. <laughs> we could do an episode a week, but that would be a lot, wouldn't it? But yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm more than happy to come back anytime. Such a pleasure, honestly. Like love, I've loved every minute of our chat today. And nice to talk about things from a slightly different angle. I quite often go down the hormones, food, which I love, but it's really nice to look at it through this kind of like yeah, the undressed lens. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> My love, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Undressed with me, Katie Moore. If you have enjoyed it as much as we did, then let me know on Instagram at IamKatieMoore. Feel free to like, comment, share, give us a cheeky little follow if you fancy it. <laughs> and if you would like to work together, then email me at info at Until next time.